Hello, my friends. How are you doing? This is Aaron Maurer. Welcome to episode 103 on Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. This is a really, really good, good, good episode, guys. We're going to be able to talk with Liam Nielsen. He works at the Lego Idea Group. Um, and we're all talking about learning space design, creative constraints, how does he in the workshops and the activities that he creates with Lego and the Tinkering Studio and Exploratorium and everybody else that he works with around the world, how do they create the conditions for quality and powerful play, being able to achieve the results that they're aiming for? So we're really diving in, not just into, yay, this is a fun activity, but how do you create the conditions to allow a activity to thrive with the learning and the open-endedness that we need in order to still adhere to the power of play. So this is such a, such a great episode. Make sure you check the show notes. There's so many links and resources, all the things that he mentioned, and more for you to follow up. And something that we've been doing new with all these podcasts, starting with episode 101 with Michelle Zimmerman and the AI conversation, is I have opened up a Flipgrid chat. And so when you're done listening, I would love for you to jump onto the Flipgrid, share your thoughts, ask questions, follow-up thoughts, things you're doing in your own classroom, anything at all. I want to have the conversation continue beyond just listening. So my challenge for myself as well as for all of you is to not just be passive in these conversations, but to be active by engaging um, in an opportunity like Flipgrid. So guys, I hope you enjoy this episode. As always, if you do, please share with your friends. Let me know what you think, your thoughts, all that stuff is, is, is so powerful to keep this stuff going. And here we go with Liam. And the power of play. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs. Talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Aaron Mauer, outside the box thinker, here to teach each and every teacher how to tinker. Living on the edge of chaos, born insane. Listening to coffee chugs like caffeine for the boring. One of the top teachers in Iowa, word is born. Here to show the world that there's more here than corn. Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Coffee Chug Books here with another episode on Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast and I am here with another outstanding guest here on the show today. We're going to be speaking with someone who really uh, thinks outside the box and pushes the boundaries of just how we can think about play and engagement and, and hands-on learning and, and all this great stuff. And so uh, this is a, a gentleman that I have followed online for quite some time. I'm always inspired by his work. Um, and, and more importantly, uh, he was even actually part of, uh, for those of you that did the 25 Days of Making project, he submitted a really cool project for that uh, little endeavor that we had last year as well. So, um, Leah, why don't we jump into the action, and why don't you introduce who you are, um, what you're currently doing, and, and anything else you want to share about yourself. Cool. Uh, yeah. So uh, my name is Liam Nilsson. Um, I am a learning experience advisor. I'm here on a project called the Lego Idea Studio at the Lego Foundation. Um, so the Lego Foundation is, you know, Lego probably sounds familiar. Um, Lego is a part of, or the Lego Foundation is a part of the kind of Lego family. Um, we own 25% of what's called the Lego Group which is what most people will be most uh, you know, familiar with. And then Lego Education is yet another kind of entity that's underneath the Lego group. Um, so we're all separate entities, but um, you know, we all work here in Billund in Denmark, which is where I am now, um, and work kind of on, on separate parts of a shared mission, which is to 
inspire and develop the builders of tomorrow, which, um, which yeah, we do in, in kind of different ways. So what we do in the Lego Foundation is mostly um, sharing and developing um, opportunities for kids to learn through play. Uh, and what I do here at the Lego Idea Studio, uh, which is a part of the kind of like research and development department at the Lego Foundation, um, is use this space partially as a design space to design um, learning through play activities and experiences, uh, but then also sometimes going to use it as an act, uh, sorry, as a um, advocacy space because playful learning is so experiential, right? Um, it's not always enough to just talk about it. Sometimes um, you have to sit down and play with people so you can kind of build that shared understanding of what learning through play is. Um, so sometimes I have people in here, we'll play together for an hour, and then we'll reflect for a while and talk about kind of the difference between um, different types of learning too, right? So in the foundation, we focus on um, a breadth of skills. And so we focus on skills rather than like memorizing facts and figures and that kind of thing. Yeah, so as, as, as you're talking about that and you're striving your job, it sounds like a, a phenomenal job. Um, and thanks for kind of clarifying all that. I know, like, sometimes when I when I speak with people about Lego and, you know, um, I work with teachers, I'm like, well, here's the, the Mindstorm kit, but why can't I just go buy that on the Lego site? And I'm like, well, they're the same, but they're not. You know, so it's everyone knows right. Lego, but right. they sometimes real, don't realize there's all these other little, I guess, little break-off uh, subgroup, but are all feeding into yep. that, to that mission. But as you're talking about your your job as, as creating the, the, these learning experiences um, and this hands-on learning and this kind of immersion of, of play within in the learning experience I th I'm, I'm really fascinated by like what are some things that you consider in those processes you're trying to develop whether they're activities or ideas or experiences and then there's a whole slew of different things you probably think through um, because I don't know of too many educators that disagree with the power of play and hands-on learning but I think what becomes very hard for many of them is like how do I create these conditions now they have their own barriers in their schools and everything else but I think it's like yeah I, I know that and then it's like okay we'll go do it it's like well how do I do that? Because it, it is more than just going, you know, in this case, we'll just use Lego. Here's a bit of Legos. Go play. Like, you know, we, we, we hear right. a lot of, I use the words purposeful play. Uh, this idea of we can have these learning experiences. Kids can have this open-ended, you know, emerge, but at the same time, we can still achieve what, we, what we're expected to achieve as, as educators. So what are some of those things that you consider or wrap your head around um, as, as you're planning for those types of ideas and activities? So uh, often we talk about like like to just stick to Lego examples. Sure. Um, we'll um, talk about creating creative constraints. So like you're saying, it's not just here's a bunch of bricks, build whatever you want. Um, which I mean that also has value. Sure. Um, right. But it's not exactly what we do here, right? Um, so we will have a, a constraint that's still an open constraint. Um, like there's an activity called Lego art machines, which uh, people that are you know familiar with. Um, so the classic tinkering activity of scribbling machines. Um, Lego art machines is something that we developed um, with the, the Tinkering Studio at the Exploratorium. Um, so that was a collaboration between us here and um, them over in San Francisco, where it's about making machines that draw these patterns using Lego. And so it's not quite build whatever you want. Um, it's build a machine that draws a pattern uh, but nobody's telling you what kind of pattern to make, right? So some kids will say, ooh, I want to 
you know, they'll see the machines, they'll see the materials, uh, and they'll say, "Ooh, I want to make it, you know, draw a perfect circle." Or a randomness often is like an element that people really want to like play with. So they say, "Oh, I want to make a, a random machine," um, or you know, "I want to make a spiral." Or sometimes people are just drawn by you know playing with gears because gears are some of the elements we've selected, the Lego elements we selected for um, that activity, and they'll just sit and play with gears and see how many gears they can add and maybe. The, the marker and the pattern that it draws is secondary. Or maybe it starts out as secondary, and then after they've put a ton of gears on it, then they switch over to optimizing on the pattern, right? So um, it's it's still very open-ended. Uh, it's still about the kids or the learners kind of setting their own goals, but within a, within a constraint, right? So um, you're not sitting there with a blank piece of paper um, and you have a specific kind of direction in, that you're taking your machine in. And so that's an activity that, that usually is quite social. So we'll do that in workshops with, you know, maybe up to 20 different people and we'll pair people up. Um, okay. So they're working together. So they're, um, they're sharing their ideas. They're, they're testing out each other's um, you know, intentions. Um, it also really gets people talking and articulating um, their ideas in a really nice way, which helps us as facilitators, right? Like tap into, ooh, you know, uh, later on in the discussion part of the workshop, we'll go back and say, hey, you know, it sounded like you two were having a disagreement about what was going to work. Uh, and then, you know, what happened? And then maybe they'll say, oh, well, you know, I really didn't think it was going to work, but then we tried it and like, sure enough, it worked. And, you know, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. So, um, so to use like an education buzzword, um, uh, you know, we like uh, creative problem solving, um, but even better than that, creative problem defining. So everybody kind of defines for themselves what problem it is they're trying to solve. Yeah, I like that. So um, a couple of questions with that, uh, that my, got, got my head spinning there a little bit. So you talked about in that in this particular example that you shared, there's this social immersion that happens right we start working mm-hmm. kids are talking and brainstorming ideas which is definitely something that everyone is trying to figure out you know as we talk about whether it's the the four c's or the soft skills or whatever framework you want to talk about like how do we collaborate and communicate our ideas all these things that are important so as you guys design these do you also take into consideration like the learning space and i guess the reason i'm asking is because sometimes mm-hmm. i see people will, will have these wonderful ideas you know like like this this art machine um and then they'll be like but they didn't really collaborate but I'm like, but you have them, but your space might be in silos. You might have, you know, maybe they're all in their own little space. And then there's other times where it's like, have you ever considered putting all materials, you know, in the middle and around a big table where it kind of forces, um, in a good way, collaboration. So do you guys, as you think about those activities, um, do you think about the learning space design as well? Or or do you just kind of have a basic setup, um, because I think that's something too that we come up with these ideas, but we don't always. Sometimes we, we we overlook the importance of the layout of materials and space and things like that. Totally, um, that is something that we think about a lot. Um, it's something that we. Um, so um, my former colleague Amos Blanton, who started this space, um, co-wrote a blog post, which I can send you. You can put in the show notes if you'd like. Um, yeah. He wrote a post around the design of this space particularly in kind of facilitating those kinds of interactions that I think you're talking about. Sure. Um, but then uh, additionally, like going out and teaching workshops other places at conferences or, or what have you, um, 
kind of putting a lot of time and thought into how we want to rearrange the tables and chairs um, uh, is something that we'll put, you know, we'll put a lot of time into um, in advance of the workshop. Yeah. Um, also, an Instructables article um, that I can send you the link to as well, which uh, kind of tells you what Lego pieces you need for that activity. Um, and has a bunch of notes on facilitation and kind of like placemaking for um, for an ideal tinkering environment for that kind of activity. Yeah. So if you think think about those constraints, you know, I know we talked about whether it could be the actual idea itself in those terms, like like one of the constraints is like we're, we're all going to make these, mm-hmm. these scribble machines or these art machines, but it's still open-ended in terms of like the patterns and stuff that you want. You know, I also know that people sometimes will have constraints in terms of like the, the materials that you're able to use. Like sometimes the, the challenge can be open-ended, but you're limited to X amount of parts. Um, and I've also seen people sometimes just the realities of, especially for classroom educators is time. <laughs> you know, my, my class period is, is 45 minutes and you know, are, are there, so between outside of time material and maybe like the, just the creative challenge itself, are there, are there other constraints? Constraints that you guys use or are those kind of like like the main three. I mean, those are the ones that I know. So I'm, I guess it's more of a selfish right. question of are there other ways for us to think about sure. Creative, sure. creative constraints? Hmm. Um, this maybe doesn't directly answer your question, but what popped into my mind was just the the constraints of the natural world. Mm-hmm. Um, like oftentimes, what the way that I think about it is like wanting to put people in touch with those natural constraints. So uh, that means that they're not bound by a specific set of rules necessarily, they're bound by gravity, right? Like if you're trying to make a little Lego zip line, something that's gonna balance and travel down a string, um, you're you're not wrong as a student if your, if your gondola falls down and crashes on the ground. Um, you know, that's not bad, right. um, that's just gravity, right? <laughs> and you're playing directly with gravity. Mm. Gravity is telling you what it's going to do. Yeah. Right? I like that. Uh, yeah. So, um, that, that, that's one of the things that we think about just like in the design, um, time is like what, you know, like what natural forces are people going to, um, get to play with? And, and sometimes those are, um, social forces too, right? Like in terms of collaborating and people saying what they want to do, and what they don't want to do. Um, but, um, it's yeah it's a it's a tricky balance of like finding the right constraints uh, i can tell you about a a thing that i'm working on now um which i've been posting a little bit on twitter about it's a it's a tentative activity called turtles and mirrors um and hopefully i can describe this in a way that will make sense so <laughs> you have two things you have the app turtle art running yep. on an ipad uh, which is like a block-based logo. It's a lot like Scratch, right? You can use it to draw yeah. uh, lines, to program a turtle, to draw geometrical shapes. And then next to it, um, totally apart from the iPad, you have two mirrors that are stuck together. Um, and you can uh, you can push the mirrors flat against each other and or open them up, kind of like a kaleidoscope. So you could hold them so they're at a 90-degree angle to each other. Uh, or 30 degree or 72 degree angle it's up to you how much you want to adjust it and then you can draw on little slips of paper and slip it underneath Um, and it's a it's a way of again making geometrical shapes the way that you would uh, with 
turtle art, but using a totally different medium. Like in the in the kind of Reggio Emilia language, it's a different language. Uh, you're still you're still talking about shapes, but you're talking about those shapes in a different language. Yeah. Um, and so that's an activity that's still under constrained. I've, I've tried I've tried it out with a couple of people so far, <laughs> and people like it. Some people get frustrated, like if they can't figure out the programming interface, or maybe with the kaleidoscope with the mirror part, they'll make something like super complicated because it's much easier to you know make something really complicated and yeah. precise with that. And then they're like, okay, I have no idea how I'm going to program this. <laughs> um, um, so, um, it, I mean, if anybody listening has some ideas for some constraints uh, yeah. for that type of activity, the next thing that I want to try, um, and this is something that um, uh, the Tinkering Studio is also playing with right now, if you follow them on Twitter, and um, and uh, Ryan from the Wonderful Idea Co. is also playing around with this stuff. Um, uh, I saw some of them in Copenhagen a couple of weeks ago, and uh, along with another group from Berlin, we we're making... Uh, temporary tattoos out of the um, out of the shapes that were made, like in turtle art. So I think that's kind of an interesting motivator. It's not a constraint so much, but um, it brings in a new uh, level of meaning for like, okay, why am I making all these weird geometrical shapes? For some people, you know, that's compelling in itself, but for right. some people, it's not. And so, like introducing that at some point. Hey, when you're ready, you can hit print, and then you can have a temporary tattoo of the thing that you made um that can that can you know make it more compelling and what the mirrors do like if a lot of people are just doing turtle art on its own right what i think the mirrors do is kind of help uh one of the things that it does is help kind of create an iterative cycle where you try something okay you make one shape with the mirrors with the kaleidoscope okay now let me see if i can make that shape over here with the programming and and i, I think it can kind of interestingly um, affect the way that you you think using those two different languages because some of the things are are similar and some of them are different. Like if you wanna if you wanna program a square, um, right? You use ninety degree angles for the right. corners. Um, uh, and if you wanna make a square with the mirrors, you can just draw a single line and then put those mirrors at a ninety degree angle. Uh, and again, it's the same number ninety, right? So there's 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 some things there yeah. that relate to each other. There's don't um but um yeah what the next constraints will be i'm not sure yeah um no that's fascinating yeah i'm gonna have to dive into it i know i saw i was uh, i follow you on twitter and i saw you had like must be like more in the early stages using my life the pattern blocks and different things like that and um i remember (laughs) i have a whole bin of pattern blocks and i actually have like a hundred mirrors um and I need to go back. Ooh. It was like a couple of years ago. I was like, I had this great idea um, to do some stuff with teaching kids with shapes and math and geometry. And I bought it all. And then, of course, like a, a lot of projects I have, it, it sits at a bin. And I'm like, I'll get to mm-hmm. it that one day. And that one day. So maybe this will be the yeah. spark. Because I used to use uh, cool. turtle art um, teaching for some STEM stuff, too, where we would create the patterns, help them understand shape and the math tied to like shapes for elementary kids. Um, you know, and they all know 90 degrees for a square. I'm like, okay, but let's do a hexagon. And they had to code it. And, you know, once they finally understood like a simple algorithm that like they were just blown away by what they could create, but it took a while for them to understand like, Oh, there's actually math tied to all this. And we would cut everything out in, um, on a, on, on a vinyl cutter and then we'd make their own little design logos and they could, you know, have those for like, put up in, in, in their, um, on, on their locker or, you know, in their, in their, um, 
bedroom wherever they wanted to stick it and they had a really kind of cool thing and we tried to do like just like a it's a not a, a new idea by any means making snowflake kind of geometric snow patterns and but with those mirrors that uh, there's that's a really cool concept um, so it'll be interesting to see what what comes of that um, as you continue to, to develop those things and I, mean, I think that's really the key right like I mean, that's the whole the goals of why I, I love talking to people like you because you're pushing those boundaries of um, you know what could be um, and you know and and you don't know we don't know but the only way to find out is to do it and I think this is this reoccurring message right. of everybody we talk to is for those that are like I want to go like this all you have to do is to start like that's it's really like there is no 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 secret mm-hmm. ingredients right. to this yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean because like tur- like turtle art is is you know has been around for ages yeah um, I certainly make that playing with mirrors in that way is certainly not something I can but either um and i mean i'm sure other people have even tried to mix the two together before as well uh but it's just like okay what is figuring out what is that that third ingredient that makes using them all together uh a compelling experience I was, oh i also got a, a spirograph mm. um in there because you could i feel like that's another like interesting physical manifestation of things that you can also do yeah. uh, with programming yeah art um so you have a different kind of relationship to the, the physical and the digital. That's awesome. Yeah. So as, you, as, yeah. as, as, as we continue maybe down this pathway of just kind of like this this learning experience through play and, and wonder and tinkering, you know, we talked about constraints. We talked a little bit about like like the learning space. Are there other things that you guys consider as you start to develop these kind of activities, um, you know, that maybe we haven't covered that for someone listening could, you know, might just be another kind of nugget of, of wisdom or, or food for thought um, as, as they're trying to plan their own kind of opportunities. Cause I think there's so many amazing <laughs> ideas online, but I think one of the, the beauty ideas is like when you kind of have this spark thinking, you know, like, Ooh, I have this idea, you know, and, and trying right, to just right. to make it, take it to that next level. So are there, are there other things that you guys consider when, when you design and, and, and plan? Um, there, that is a really good question that I should have a really great prepared answer for. <laughs> Um, I mean, we, the Lego Foundation works in a lot of different contexts. Um, so, um, kind of the, the main countries that we work in are, uh, Mexico, South Africa, Ukraine, um, Denmark and Bangladesh. And we work in other countries as well. Um, and so, uh, in, for example, in, uh, Bangladesh, we work with a, um, organization called BRAC, has these community-led play labs uh, where they don't have a lot of access to um, electricity and digital technology, um, but they have a lot of uh, like interesting materials like cardboard. Uh, and so we'll we'll kind of use um, and we'll, we'll look at the different types of materials that are available in different contexts. Um, we always look at what other people are doing online, like other people that are um, developing constructionist. Uh, you know, learning experiences. Um, actually, one of the things that I really love just about um, doing this kind of stuff is that there is a community, you know, online of people doing similar things, and everybody's remixing each other's ideas all the time. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we'll, you know, maybe one of the last little questions on here, um, as we kind of maybe wrap it up full circle here to be respectful of your time is: so as you guys are creating these experiences, and you have kids and adults or whoever come in and, and use your ideas, whether they're in your space or you're out, you know, in other people's spaces, 
what are things that you guys look for? Is, I mean, I know you're you're probably immersed in, in leading a lot of these, but maybe some of those opportunities where you can just kind of sit back and see how people are, are engaged with the work and ideas. I mean, are, are, are there things that, that you look for to go, you know, where you're like, oh, we got something here? Sure. Or you look at it and go, it's... Right. We're missing something, and and I mean, what are some of those those indicators? Like, I think those that's also a really yeah. important thing. I think for for a lot of educators listening in is like when you when you launch these activities, it's not so much that you're mm-hmm. walking around constantly teaching. Sometimes it's walking around just observing um, and just seeing mm-hmm. how people are interacting with with things. So, what are some things right. you guys look for where you're like, ah, we got it, or you're like, mm, right. back to the drawing board. This is this is one that uh, I know a lot of people use, but I just think it's like such a great thing to look for is diversity in outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. Like if everybody's making the same thing, then it's not a compelling, playful activity. Um, you know, it's just a it's just a pathway from one place to another, which can still be compelling and interesting, sure, right? Sure. Um, but uh, but it's like the many outcomes that means that people are actually exploring on their own, um, because with a lot of these activities our intention as the designers is not necessarily to teach them about gears or linkages or gravity um but to give them an opportunity to playfully explore and to interact with those natural forces uh underway but to really like build their creative confidence as a maker as an explorer as a communicator um so uh, people sharing ideas freely too like um you know whenever i hear anybody say like oh you copied me then there's some you know there's some social piece that's not quite right which you know it makes sense because uh in a lot of places like at school it's it's not allowed to copy right right? um so with this space at the lego idea studio um when we have um, like kids, groups of kids in here, we always try to like make it make it really clear that the rules are different here. Yeah. You know, um, we'll be doing documentation, right? Uh, we'll be documenting what kinds of things people do and like where kids get stuck. Um, but I had this really great discussion um, with a girl about three weeks ago, where um, she turned to me and was like, "Hey, um, I don't want to be, um, I don't want to be assessed." And I was like, "Oh, okay." Um, and I was really glad that she felt comfortable to like say that to me. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I told her, Oh, you know, we're not, we're not assessing you. We're assessing this activity to see if we made it, if we designed it good enough. And, um, you know, and so you're helping, you know, us figure out if this is something that we should continue with and if it's something we should share with other educators. That's maybe not the case for all, you know, classrooms and, edu- uh, and, and educators in general. Um, but then she was really excited to be helping us with this project. You yeah, know? And I think there, I think um, you, you hit on a couple of key things there. I think for a lot of these activities, you know, especially as we think about implementation in the classroom, not everything has to be assessed. Not everything has to be assigned a point value. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I, I, I try to suggest to educators starting off on this is use these types of activities to elicit wonder, like almost kind of like the launch. Like you talked about before, you know, we're not, our goal isn't to, to, to make sure every kid understands every mechanism to gears or linkages. However, they're playing around with them. They're tinkering with them. And you hope that a light bulb goes off where they start to go, how does this work? And once they ask that question to themselves, the learning is going gonna, gonna to happen because now they're going to be determined to figure out how to do the next thing on their, their journey of whatever it is that they're developing. And I think that's, that, that's something that's really important as we think about these experiences is we don't 
you have to be cautious not to slap a grade on on it. And now you, obviously you have an opportunity where you're not worried about that. But I think for as, as we think about how do we move this into the classroom is, do we have to right. assess this or could it be something down the road where the kids feel safe mm-hmm. going, I can try whatever because I don't have to worry mm-hmm. about getting that A or that sticker or whatever the, the, the system might be. I think right. that that's a really key piece. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, so that is that's one of the things we're really researching is, is how is that going to look in the future? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we're really lucky to work with the Reggio Emilia and Children's Foundation in central Italy, um, where uh, their uh, traditions of documenting. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, were their traditions like uh, of documenting um, the ideas and inventions of kids? It's just really inspiring and and and, uh, and and features children's voices and makes visible the things that they make and learn in a way. Um, that yeah, like grades and tests really can't right. Um, if one kid has this idea and another kid has another idea in a creative environment, um, there's no way you can just quantify that and put it in two different boxes because there's you know an infinite number of those right, ideas. Right. So yeah, um, and I think that that's, um, that's a really key idea for us to maybe maybe wrap this up on because I know you're a busy man and got a million things on your plate. Is this as as we think about these these opportunities for kids? Is I always call it the brownie recipe effect. We don't want everybody to have the same little slice of 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 brownie. You know, we want we want to make cake and cookies and sundays and everything else. You know, and so how do we create those conditions? And you shared some really great ideas for, for us to, to think about. Where we're not trying to bite off more than we can chew. Put some constraints in there, but make sure the opportunities are there for kids to ex- express their learning and you know i really appreciate speaking to you this well it's morning for me you know you know we're talking time zone there <laughs> afternoon for you so it's always it's always mind-blowing areas i get to talk to someone and you know across the pond as they say um to make this stuff happen but um liam if, if people want to reach out and just kind of follow your journey and see what you have going on mm-hmm. um because i think you're, you're another amazing person for people to put into their network just to be inspired by ideas mm-hmm. where, where are those places i'll make sure we link them in the show notes um but that way people can uh can can, can track you down in a good way <laughs> yeah the best places are uh, at lego idea studio on twitter and at nilson museum on Twitter. So uh, the one is for the studio and the, the second one is my personal one. Um, Perfect. Yeah. And we'll get all that down there in the show notes. And Liam, as always, this is uh, such a pleasure. Thank you for uh, not only inspiring me, but all the others that, uh, you know, see your work and, and have that, that, that little light bulbs turn on and go, Ooh, you light know, and, and now here I am already going to be racking my brand. I'm going to actually go get my mirrors out and my pattern blocks and load up some turtle art and see cool, if I can cool. uh, discover hey, some, some ideas for you. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you.